0: Hello, hello, listeners. You know the drill. I'm here for a content warning. The story mentions sexual assault and self-harm. As always, if you have any questions or concerns, please don't hesitate to write to us on Facebook or Instagram or via email. Enjoy the story.
1: I didn't get that opportunity to explore my sexuality when I was younger. And so I felt like I was held back as if you were like held back from grade school or something like that. I was trying to play catch up.
0: Welcome to Rearview, the podcast that brings you stories larger than they appear, stories we look back on to move forward. In each episode, an anonymous storyteller reflects on small moments from their life that unfold into larger narratives, exploring the ways that our most minute and intimate memories end up being some of the biggest things we think about. What does it mean to lose control or to have it taken from you? What if your identity, your online persona, your sexuality, your health, your life are on the line? This time on Rearview, the saga of a stolen identity and the struggle to reclaim control that takes our storyteller all the way to the podium in state government. Thanks so much for listening and enjoy the story.
1: school I started to kind of like realize I was gay. My first real introduction was Tumblr because that's what everybody like every middle school kid does and they kind of find their niche on it and so mine was kind of exploring my sexuality by looking for other 14-15 year olds who were also curious like watching those coming out videos on YouTube. I think it was end of seventh grade and we were watching like a coming out video or like something in that genre. And I just started crying because I like, resonated with that story. And that's kind of like when my, I don't want to say breaking point, but like that's kind of when I realized, damn, I'm not straight, <laughs> that's gonna be tough. It was hard because my mom, she comes from Roman Catholic, very conservative, not like super religious, but like I grew up in a Roman Catholic household. My dad came from like a much more liberal, agnostic, a little more chill, his sister's lesbian. So I kind of figured if anyone his side of the family would be, like, more supportive and kind of stuff like that. School, I had, like, a mixed group of friends, but I was, like, very friendly with everybody because we had all grown up together, and so, like, I thought about it, and I knew certain people that I could probably talk to. I didn't really start telling people in middle school until, like, eighth grade. I was like, oh, yeah, like, I'm bi-curious, because I still didn't really know what any of it meant, and I was still, like, low-key in denial, but my whole outside-of-school life was... A lot of tumblr it's like half dating this kid not really dating but like we would talk on kick and like that kind of thing nothing real kick is kind of like a messaging app that is make your own persona and kind of connected to your email or your phone so it's separate from your phone itself a lot of people use it for like chatting a little more secretly and that kind of thing my dad had always been like very paranoid and very controlling in my life whether it was, um, like, going to baseball practice, like, even if I didn't want to, or forcing me to play sports, and, like, all that kind of stuff kind of fit into his ideal teenage persona or preteen persona. In sixth grade, he got it in his head that I wasn't portraying myself in the best way on, like, Facebook and, like, Gchat, and so he took it upon himself to change the passwords to all my social media, and so in, like, early sixth grade, which is like basically when I got Facebook, he kind of just took control of my image. I can't remember if he told me he was changing the password, I went to log in and it was different, but either way I would have, I would have been like, okay, cause I was kind of scared of him. So he started posting stuff about bands from like when he was growing up, music and girls in bikinis and surfing and cars kids would be like why are you posting this stuff on facebook like what is any of it i had to like it because otherwise people would be like something's up and i didn't really want to like get in trouble or anything like that and so that's kind of like when it really started so i didn't have control of facebook he friended like a thousand twelve hundred different girls in the area that were like potential dating prospects for me seventh grade he made me meet up with this girl he like picked me up from school I was like gonna go hang out with a friend and he was like, get in, we're going somewhere. And I was like, okay, I don't really want to. But um, so he drove me to the McDonald's and he like picked up the girl and just went inside. And so I was supposed to like hook up with this girl in the car while he was inside. So I didn't like have sex with her, but she gave me a blowjob and it was terrible. The blowjob and the overall experience were both very bad. I mean, I was also in 7th grade, so I didn't really know too much. And then 8th grade, winter, is when things started intensifying. My laptop had a Touch ID, fingerprint scanner kind of thing. And so in my sleep, he must have gone through that. And so opened my laptop, saw a Tumblr. And then my phone at the time was an Android, so you could just change the password if you knew my Gmail password, which he did. And so, like, when I was sleeping, he would go through my stuff and kind of see stuff. And so he, would, he like, started freaking out. He's like, oh my god, my son's gay. And so winter in eighth grade we got back from a farmer's market my mom's sister and I and I was like really excited because we got these like really nice looking pastries and I really wanted to eat them but um so he's like we're going somewhere and I was like where are we going and he's like we are gonna go meet a girl I'll tell you on the way and I had no idea who this girl was and so basically he dropped me off at this house and drove away before he was like I just want you to try this out like if you are into the girl and you never have to talk to her again but if you're into her great and so like I went into it I was like okay I don't like girls I'm not gonna like this girl just hang out with her for 30 minutes and then never see again and that didn't happen we hung out on the porch and we kind of just like talked I remember what we talked about I remember she liked sharks I like sharks so we talked about that for probably a little bit I think I had a book on sharks that he like gave to me because he knew she liked sharks and so he would like text her from his phone pretending to be me called her pretending to be me and so that december we started dating so he would like set up all our dates pretending to be me and just say like okay we're going here like this is what you're doing he made me like leave christmas that year to go see her family for christmas And it turned out to be, like, my grandmother's last Christmas. And so I was just crying, like, in the middle of the living room. And, um, no one really did anything to, like, stop it. It's hard because, obviously, like, my aunts and uncles would have had no idea. Like, they weren't in the house. They didn't see it at all. But my mom, we still talk about it now. And one day she'll claim that she knew it was going on and that she tried to fight him and, like, would always try to, like, help me, but I never saw any of that happening, and then another day she'll claim that she had no idea anything was happening, and this is all news to her, seven years later, and so I don't really know, but I just remember feeling alone. People were around me, but, like, no one really talked to me, like, people asked, like, do you want to go, and, like, that kind of stuff, and I would just cry and say no, and then my uncle, who, like, was is probably the most outgoing of all of them tried to talk to my dad about it and i think my dad explained the situation my dad my uncle was like okay go ahead but i basically ended up dating the girl from december all the way through to may like i had sex with a girl like same mcdonald's deal i was scared because if i told my mom or if i told anybody then I was certain that my phone would get taken away, or my laptop, and like that was the only thing I really had at that point. I still hadn't had Facebook, so like just texting my friends, that was kind of all I really had. So I didn't want to lose that. When I was with her, most of the time I was kind of just thinking about like, when is this over? What am I supposed What am I supposed to be doing right now? Sometimes he would spell it out for me and like, oh, we're gonna go to McDonald's, or you're gonna have like with a girl, and. He would know if I didn't because she would complain because we were supposed to have sex that day or something like that. She would complain to what she thought was me saying like, Oh, I thought we were going to have sex. Why didn't you do X, Y, and Z? It was a lot. I remember like using scissors. I was like too scared to cut myself. So I'd take scissors and like cut my hand. The like fleshy part between your pointer finger and your thumb. Then no one did anything when they saw it. My dad saw my scars and he told me to stop because I look like a drug addict. Not to stop for my own mental health, not to stop for my safety, just for my image. And so that the girl didn't see it. So I think she suspected something was up because there were always inconsistencies. My dad and her would plan something or talk about some event happening in the future. And then when her and I would be together, she would mention it. I'd be like, oh, what are you talking about? So she'd be like, what do you mean we were talking about this for like a week that kind of thing because he would never tell me and then I would get yelled at for not knowing and so that and then like towards the end I think she started to realize because I was a little more like distant and stuff we went up to my house in Massachusetts for a weekend just the two of us it was probably like January February I think we just went for a weekend at that time I had kick on my phone too and the kid who I had talked to before there was actually three of us me, this kid who lived in Hartford, and the kid who lived in Orlando, who had one testicle, <laughs> I remember that specifically, and so, I had been talking to the guy in Hartford back in December, and I gave the girl, my girlfriend, my iPod Touch, to play, like, a game, and I fell asleep in the back of the car, and so, I forgot I had kicked on my iPod Touch, he was on, like, 8%, so I was like, oh, it'll die in, like, 20 minutes, so I fell asleep, I wake up, and she's like, Really cold, she's very abrasive, and she doesn't really want to talk, and she just wants to leave and so drop her off, and she starts texting me like all this mad stuff, or not me, but me being my dad. what she thought was me. Turns out she went through my phone, found kick, and she's like, "You're talking to this guy, and I was like, "Oh, fuck my life, and so my dad started freaking out. It was like a whole big thing eighth grade trip we went to d c in April. My dad would tell me to send him selfies to send to her, like, in D.C., on the coach bus. And then when I got back at, like, 10 or 11 p.m., we pulled into my grandparents' house a mile or so away from where I was living at the time. And I was like, Mom, it's 10 o'clock at night. We'd been in the car for 7-ish hours to D.C. I was like, Mom, I just want to go home. I want to go to bed. Like, I have school tomorrow. She's like, this is where we're living now. And I had no idea. I'd just been away for a week. I was completely out of the blue. And it was pretty clear that my situation and anything that I had done, any argument with my dad had nothing to do with us leaving. It had actually been an issue while I was away. My dad and my sister got in an argument and it like got physical, I think. I still don't really know. And so my mom moved out with my sister and I for like DCF reasons just so they wouldn't have to get further involved when I talk about it now with my mom and I kind of ask her why she didn't really do anything her thing is oh but I got you out of that house like we moved out you're separated but I ended up dating the girl for another month so I didn't break up with her until May so I had all of mid-April until mid-May with this girl and so that's kind of bullshit because me being in that house in a different house didn't really stop the situation from happening And it's not like I don't see him anymore. It's not like I got an apology. I've since realized that my mom is also a victim of his same abuse, not so much in like a physical or like conversion therapy way, but he's just very controlling and very um, demeaning. I went to therapy freshman year of high school to kind of like talk about it. My therapist at the time thought it'd be a good idea for me to bring my dad in and like have a talk between us and my dad kind of just he came in but was like yeah I'd rather leave it in the past I think we should just forget about it and pretend like basically pretend it never happened at the time it was a little more immediate so I was still kind of numb but also blocking it out in a way I still haven't really hadn't really processed it too much and so I was like okay yeah like I guess that works kind of wanted to help any like immediate damage not really any long-lasting stuff but I kind of started to realize that I kind of have to, like, bring myself back. I don't really remember a lot of my childhood because I kind of subconsciously just blocked it out. I don't really remember much before my relationship with this girl, aside from, like, parents fighting and, like, that kind of, like, typical kid. Shouldn't be typical, but is typical kid stuff. And so I've kind of started to realize how much I've almost missed out on and so i've been trying to like reassess and kind of contemplating forcing myself back into like remembering certain things so i can think about it big picture i don't want to say like move on but like cope with it and kind of understand how to exist i realized that like my biggest issue now with like relationships and people is control i found myself in a lot of situations trying to be at like the forefront of what I deem to be control like I like driving I like giving directions and I like cooking and kind of being at the top of whatever I'm in and I kind of realized that I'm trying to like overcompensate in a way I like my private like my personal space my mom is very like touchy and so she likes hugging rubbing my back and like my shoulder and stuff like that and I don't really like it because I see it as like someone entering a space that I want to be mine and she doesn't really respect it and so I have no control over my own body and so that comes from obviously my dad but like a lot of other stuff that's happened since I don't want to say like as a result of my dad but it kind of sent me into downward spiral afterwards like in high school when I was a 16 year old my boyfriend was like 25 just a lot of inappropriate situations that I probably shouldn't have gotten myself into but I didn't get that opportunity to explore my sexuality when I was younger, and so I felt like I was held back, as if you were like held back from grade school or something like that. I was trying to play catch-up. Yeah, when I was a junior in high school, third week of May, I hooked up with this guy, and he told me he was 30, I found out later he was like 35, so I was freshly 17, and so like we hung out twice, he was very friendly, very nice, very hot, and then we hung out a third time, and he kind of went too far, and didn't really know what the word no meant, and so I kind of totally lost control in that moment, and he's like 35, he's bigger than me, he's taller than me, stronger than me, Yeah. And that was at, like, probably 11 o'clock midnight. And so I was walking home, middle of the night, like, very scared. Then I just went home and went to bed. Kind of just shut that down and didn't really talk about it with anybody because who was I going to talk to? And when I started realizing I was gay, I came across stuff about, like, HIV, AIDS, late 80s, the gay disease, kids, all that kind of stuff. And I think that's where a lot of my parents' fear came from when I was coming out because that's like what they lived through they were both early 70s babies so they're teenagers at like the prime of the AIDS epidemic or their early 20s and after that night I knew things are wrong and I kind of knew something was off not in like a physical sense where I felt sick or anything like that I just knew that like something was wrong I had talked to my doctor before about like normal pediatrician stupid stuff because like when they asked like oh, are you sexually active I was like yeah like I'm like I like guys or whatever and so I had like asked him before about PrEP which is pre-exposure prophylaxis the medication that one would take kind of like birth control but for HIV and he didn't really know anything about it and so he kind of just didn't think about it and I had like asked before about oh can I get tested like that kind of thing and he never really did anything and so senior year late May so like, a year later, my high school was having, like, a get-yourself-tested date run by, like, Planned Parenthood. I think I had a half day that day, so I was, like, walking out, and so, I'm like, me and my friend were, like, oh, yeah, like, why not? Let's piss in the cup. And I, like, can't pee on command, so I went back, like, twice, and then the second time while I was waiting to pee in the bathroom, one of the women who was running was, like, oh, do you want to, like, go to the other side and get the rapid HIV test? And I was, like, why not? I have sex with guys, like, I might as well. And so... It only takes 20 minutes about, but the nurse, for some reason, she was like, oh, just go home. We'll call you if there's an issue or we'll call you if you need to come back in. And I was like, okay, bet. And then I went the weekend, hadn't heard a call. And so I went to school Monday and I get a call down to the nurse and I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Like, this is it. Apparently I didn't bleed enough. So it was inconclusive. Good to know. Happened again on the second test. I didn't bleed enough third time around the test tested positive for antibodies but not antigens antigens being the virus itself antibodies being what your body would produce to fight the virus and i was like what the heck that's like backwards normally it takes like a little bit for the body to produce antibodies but there should be antigens present because that's how science works am i that like kid who is born immune for AIDS? like do i just have the cure in my body no (laughs) that's not true i went to a real test blood transfusion things and that was May 24th 2016 I have like a little card in my wallet and then May 31st I went in and found out I had HIV it was really scary because I had been talking to someone at the time and like we had hooked up a few times non sex he was on PrEP he like just started going back on prep he hadn't been on it for two weeks which is typically the good period after two weeks you're typically like good after taking it religiously and so he freaked out he called me screaming not asking how I was like how could you do this to me you're like such a little bitch like that kind of thing while I was in the doctor's office crying and so I didn't really tell anyone I told I guess some of my friends like I texted them from the doctor's office because I was like nervous So I kind of just, like, updated people. I was like, by the way, fun fact, yeah. I had come out to a lot more people in high school, but even then, like, I told some people who thought I was straight at the time. I couldn't tell my mom. I told my sister, and she asked if I told my mom, and I was like, this is, like, I can't tell her this. Like, this is too much. Can you do it? So she did it. And so my mom came home and, like, started crying. And, like, I was comforting her it was like, oh, it's gonna be okay, like, I'm gonna start going on this medication, like, once I see my doctor, and so, it took a little bit to get my medication, and then CVS called me, and they were like, hey, so your medication's here, and I was like, okay, cool, I'll come get it in, like, 30 minutes, does that work, they were like, yeah, you know, this is, like, $3,000, right, and I was like, excuse me, (laughs) and this is, like, a once a month, like 30 pill bottle. And I was like, that's not right. So I called my doctor and she was like, yeah, that's what they do. So she had to like write a letter to my insurance company. This is like a life sustaining medication. He, he will die without it. And so like they're like, okay, bet, give me 50 cents. <laughs> and I was like, here you go. So it took like a week to do that. To, like get onto the medication but after that it was like 12 30 i had my alarm it went off in class it was a lot of fun i got to take my pill bottle out in front of class people are really confused graduated and then in june after i graduated i was visiting my friend out oh, on fire island because he him and his friends had a house there fire island pines the gay beach and so i went to go visit him and my friend he's like do you want a job this summer and i was like Not really. I kind of just graduated high school. I kind of wanted to just hang out. And so he just like makes me meet his boss. And then I get hired to work on Fire Island for a summer. It was pretty scary because I was working in a kitchen. So, like, sharp knives. I was scared of blood. I was scared of my blood. I was scared of myself. And it's the kind of environment that's very, very sexual. Everybody's walking around like, in Speedos or like a jog strap or a thong. Very risque and very flamboyantly like sexual. And so it was like very uncomfortable for me because like all my coworkers were like that. But I was this like 18 year old kid who like had no attraction. Not no attraction, but no like sex drive. Just because I was just completely turned off to anybody and everybody. And then I went to college. And then in August, I found out it's undetectable. So the medication you go on after you found out you're, you have HIV, what it does is it blocks the enzyme. I'm going to Google that to confirm. The drugs in BICTARV work by interfering with the enzymes needed by HIV. Using BICTARV greatly reduces HIV's ability to infect cells and make copies of itself. So basically, it's like not HIV, don't go in that cell, but also don't reproduce, replicate, because HIV is like, fucks like bunnies, and so it limits it, and so eventually it kind of just dies down to your system, and so undetectable is, it's changed over the years, it's now like less than 20 viral load, side comment, I don't like the word load, <laughs> it makes me really sad every time I say viral load. <laughs> But less than 20, like, copies of the virus per, like, some quantity of blood. And that's where the tests that they run on the blood stop detecting it. So it's undetectable in your body. I think it was winter of my freshman year, my doctor, who is the light of my life, came up to me and she, like, had a question for me. She's like, so... I'm working on this legislation. I want to know if you'd testify in support of it. And I was like, what is it? And it's basically, in the state of Connecticut, someone under the age of 18 can be treated for HIV if they find out they're, like, positive, uh, without parental consent. So, like, if a freaking 17-year-old got her bid at some... High school, get yourself tested. Day finds out he has HIV. Then, he can get on the medication without his parents knowing, without his parents ever finding out. But you can't prevent the disease from happening, so you can't get on PrEP, the pre-exposure prophylaxis that prevents you, from ever contracting the disease from anybody, no matter how much unprotected sex you have. So it's like, why don't we try to prevent them from ever having HIV? Because like. It sucks. <laughs> And so her idea was that the bill would allow people to get access to PrEP who are under 18, but without parental consent, kind of like the way that birth control works. Like, from my understanding, it's pretty accessible. So it's the same thing, but HIV is the baby. (laughs) So I testified at the public health committee and passed unanimously in the public health committee it passed in the Senate, it's like 35 out of 36 yeses. So now the governor just has to sign it, which is cool. So once the governor signs it, like in the state of Connecticut, an adolescent under the age of 18 could get prescribed access to PrEP, pre-exposure prophylaxis to prevent the infection uh, of HIV without the parent knowing. I think that's big moves because... Alabama had this bill, Louisiana had it, Mississippi, I don't know, I don't think Texas did, but, like, Alabama had this bill. How did Connecticut not? But it was emotional testifying. I kind of, like, was scared, kind of, because it's, like, a big deal, but, like, the people that I, like, was working with on it made sure I knew it was a big deal. By like doing nice things and like saying, "You don't have to do this, and like stuff like that, and I was like, "I really just want to feel like the least important person in the world right now, so I stopped getting because like the more you talk about how big of a deal it is, and the more I'm nervous I get and one of like the representatives ended up yielding his time for my testimony, which is nice, um so I got like unlimited time, and I like got to go at the beginning. I felt really important, which is really scary. Because I didn't want to mess up or say something stupid or it was a big deal, and a lot of reporters like to write your name in articles without asking your permission because it's technically public record, and so like I wasn't too nervous. And then some articles started coming out there like new bill in Connecticut, and I was like, okay, Hartford Current, like who cares about Hartford Current? Some people in Hartford that I never met will see it, and, like maybe some people across the state, but like no one in New Haven reads the Hartford Current. And then a New Haven Independent article came out. I was like, okay, great. But it didn't like have my picture. It just said my name, New Haven resident. And I was like, okay, like whatever. If someone sees it and they like make the connection, then fine. U.S. News had an article, San Francisco Chronicle or one of the San Francisco newspapers had one. South Florida Gay News had one. And then a freaking other New Haven independent article puts my picture right smack dab in the middle of the thing. So if I ever like text someone the article to show them, it's just a picture of me talking and they like cite where I go to school like now and then my site, my high school and like my age. I'm like, okay, so <laughs> that's me. Here I am now. And so a lot of people from like high school, um, found out. One of my teachers from high school found it. She emailed me. She's like, I'm so proud of you. Like, this is such great work. Like, blah, 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 blah. Great people. Like, very nice. She then emails it to the entire school. <laughs> all of the teachers. Like, the literal, like, list server or whatever is, like, insert high school name, all. <laughs> every single person, every administrator, every teacher, the principal, like, and so, like, i was like okay <laughs> there goes the floodgates people weren't walking on eggshells but they were some people knew but didn't want to tell me they knew because they like wanted to respect my privacy but so, like i respect that but i also like kind of want to know if you know because like i'd like to talk to you about it but also like i want to know what i can talk about with you so like if you know this thing about me I want to know that you know that thing about me. I kind of saw both sides of that. But yeah, big moves, I'm very happy that hopefully the governor will sign it. I didn't get a virginity, but I got a virginity. Everyone gets a virginity. Like I didn't get to choose who I lost my virginity to, whether it was straight or gay. And then I didn't really get to like choose how I came out to my parents. Which I guess was, like, now that I'm thinking about it, really ironic. Because I realized I was gay because of a coming out video and I never got to, like, do my own. And like, have my own story. I was kind of forced into it. I didn't have any control of my life. And then I tried to, like, seek some control. And then the universe took what control I had left and took it further away from me. And then even further away and so I'm trying to get it back I guess or trying to make it so no other kid gets it taken away I'm at the point where I kind of have to like reflect on er everything that's happened whether that's like going to my old house that I haven't been to in seven years looking at my bookcase and like looking at the bed I used to sleep in and like that kind of stuff to kind of like bring back the memories to really understand because I understand the big chunks but I have blocked out my childhood before then, and I blocked out the little bits of what was happening in that time period that I don't didn't prioritize in my mind. Because there were so many bigger things happening. And so I wanted to kind of understand everything, or I want to kind of understand everything full picture, in order to reflect on everything. And so I have to do a lot of, like, I don't want to say this word, but soul-searching, mm-hmm. memory-searching. I need to go into like the deep dark web of my memory and get the little bits and pieces out put them all on a table make the puzzle and throw the puzzle away not in like a forget about it way but like resolution sort of way so once i've seen it all and put it all together i can figure out what needs to happen for me to move forward then
0: listeners, the events of this story continue to unfold after our recording, so I wanted to give you this update. On July 9th, 2019, Governor Ned Lamont signed Bill 819 into law, giving minors in the state of Connecticut access, without parental consent, to the HIV prevention medication known as PrEP. As our storyteller put it, that's big moves. And if you know anyone who might need to know about this law, please pass it on. As always, thanks for listening. This story was originally released as an episode of the podcast west stories which was an earlier iteration of rearview if you have any questions want to say hi or have a story you'd like to tell please write to us on facebook or instagram at rearview podcast or at c at wesleyan.edu if you'd like this episode why not tell a friend about rearview you can also do us a big favor by subscribing to rearview wherever you listen by writing a review or leaving us some stars and by following us on social media This podcast is recorded, edited, and produced by me, Claudia Schatz, and co-produced by Eliza Wilkins, who is also the CEO of our social media. Our theme music was composed by Julia Mitchell, and this episode's music was Freezing But Warm by Maiden. Our visuals are by Sarah Pinsenow and Fig, and you can find links to more of their artwork on our Facebook and Instagram pages. Thanks again for listening, and we'll have more stories to share soon.
1: This is never going to get published.
0: Yes, it will.